Well, hey, East Cobb Church, my name is Dane, and I'm the middle school director here. So I get to lead our ministry called Transit, and honestly, it's pretty good to be hanging out with some other adults uh, on a Sunday in a less hormonal environment. But in all honesty, um, middle school parents in the room, it is such an honor to get to be a part of this stage of your students' life. I've been involved in middle school ministry for a little over six years now, uh, and I didn't just end up in this job. I care a whole lot about this specific age group. And partially because of my own middle school experience and how much I could have used a place like transit, but also because of my experience as an adult and how much being a middle school small group leader helped and changed my life. So I'm excited to be here today. Back to here, back today. We are in part two of Solomon Says, where we're sharing some ancient wisdom that is just as helpful today as when it was written. And each week we're sharing a proverb that is really, really personal to us individually and hopefully really helpful to you and last week Nick did an amazing job kicking us off. You should totally go back and watch it if you haven't seen it already. I took a ton of helpful notes. It was really personally helpful to me. But to start our time today, I would love to tell you a little bit more about me. So this is my little family right here. This is Emmy and Sammy. Emmy's the person, Sammy's the dog, by the way. Um, yeah, me and Emmy got married back in March of 2020, which should ring a bell in terms of, I don't know, world history. So we got to have a four-month honeymoon. It was amazing. Um, but Emmy is my favorite person on the planet. I wish I could spend every single second with her. And uh, she's a nanny full-time, so she's going to be an amazing mom one day. Uh, and she'd like that day to be a little bit sooner than me. But <laughs> I'm like, we already have a daughter. It's Sammy. Uh, Sammy's a really good girl, by the way. Uh, this next picture... Uh, this is my parents and my siblings. Um, they all go here. You should get to know all of them. They're awesome. Uh, on the far left is my mom. Uh, she's one of the funniest people I know. Uh, she's from Louisiana. She's an incredible cook. She's an even better mom. Everybody just loves to be around her. Uh, this next guy is my dad. Um, he is the number one person in this world that I want to be like. I'm so grateful to have a dad that I can look up to. Um, we also, people tell us we look a little bit alike too. <laughs> um, this is my sister, Taylor. Um, she is studying to be a counselor in grad school. Um, she's honestly probably the best of us, if I'm being honest. She's my little sister, but I continually learn from her. And this last guy, you've been probably trying to figure out where he fits into the equation. Um, this is Matthew. He's my 10-year-old brother. So he's an amazing surprise to us uh, later in life. Uh, it, honestly, though, Getting to watch him grow up has been one of the coolest experiences of my life. He's incredibly funny. He's really smart and creative. And whenever we all walk into a room, people are always trying to figure us out. They're like, something's wrong here. Like, he looks a little too old to have him, and he looks a little too young to have him. Like, something's wrong. Who had who? <laughs> so, yeah, but uh, a couple years ago, or sorry, a couple months ago, had one of the coolest experiences of my life. Got to baptize Matthew. So, yeah, this next picture is me baptizing my brother and can't look at this too long. I'm gonna baptize myself in tears, but uh, obviously one of the best days of my life. Uh, but this spawned perhaps the greatest picture ever taken, this next picture. No one has ever been this ready to get <laughs> baptized before. <laughs> I don't know how long he thought I was gonna hold him under, but he had like at least three minutes of oxygen saved up in his cheeks. Yeah. So good. So that's, that's kind of where I'm at right now. That's my life right now. Uh, but I want to take us all the way back to how I got here in the first place, because I took a pretty unconventional route uh, to working at North Point and eventually East Cobb Church. Uh, see, if you would ask me years ago what I'd be doing at this point, I would have said I'm going to be an engineer. 
I, I did my undergrad at Georgia Tech, studied civil engineering, and quickly realized I am not detail-oriented enough to design bridges. But honestly, you're welcome for me not doing that. We're all safer because of it. But my last year uh, at Tech, I was, uh, long story short, I was a middle school small group leader at the time and started to think a little bit about what ministry could look like as a job, which is a pretty big change when you're about to finish your engineering degree. And it was a big deal. My dad cried in the Waffle House when I told him. Uh, I was like, dad, get it together. The breakfast is coming. But not, not because of all the engineering tuition I was flushing down the drain. It's because he's an amazing dad who's proud of me. But my last year at Tech, I started inter- interning at North Point at Woodstock City Church. Uh, it was amazing. I was so excited. I was going from something that felt like out of character, maybe draining for me, to something that really felt like what I was supposed to be doing felt life-giving for me. I was working on an amazing team, amazing people, doing middle school ministry, which is exactly what I wanted to do, which is why I was surprised when I started to feel frustrated. There was a lot of friction in my work life at the time. I was pretty insecure, to be honest. I, I mean, I was frustrated at the way I felt people saw me, and I I didn't know why I was frustrated at other people. I mean, I would get feedback about what I could do better at work, and I'd be polite, but I'd secretly disagree in my head and be like, they don't see in me what I see in myself. And, you know, I, I didn't know why I was in this job that I couldn't be more grateful to do exactly what I wanted to do and feeling drained. I had these strange symptoms and I needed a diagnosis. So I turned to someone a lot wiser than me, a guy by the name of Andy Jones. He was our team leader at the time. Uh, he's become one of my best friends in the world and my mentor. Uh, and I'll be saying his name a lot from now on. So just know I'm talking about Andy Jones and not the other Andy that we all know. But I asked Andy, what can I do to thrive a little bit more at work? And his answer shocked me. I mean, I still remember the, the room I was sitting in, the like, direction I was sitting when he said, well, I mean, you've got a lot of pride in you. What? Like, what did you just say? He thinks I'm prideful? I mean, like, I don't brag. I make sure I don't do that. I'm, I'm not, like, arrogant. I don't flaunt expensive things. I don't even have expensive things. I'm like, Andy, like, I respect you and all, but clearly I did not have a pride problem, which is really ironic in hindsight, but I thought he was going to say something like insecurity or like, hey, be comfortable with who you are. But he said that and it shocked me. And we've, we've all been there. I think we all know what that feels like when we maybe get blindsided by a blind spot. <laughs> when someone shares with us an embarrassing blind spot we did not know that we have. <laughs> it reminds me of a couple years before that. I was in a class at Georgia Tech called Thermodynamics and, and a student walks in and Everyone in the class like immediately realizes that there's something wrong here. Uh, his shirt was on inside out, but it, it wasn't a t-shirt. It was a collared shirt. It was a dress shirt. Like he had buttoned it <laughs> and we all like immediately saw it. And sadly, it's not an uncommon thing at tech for students to be able to do thermodynamics, but not dress themselves. But we all realized there's something wrong here. <laughs> and he thought he was doing great that day until someone pointed out that he wasn't. I think we're all nervous about that, that there's something about us that everyone sees except for us. And that's what it was for me. That's what pride was for me. It was my metaphorical shirt on inside out, right? But see, the reason my mentor Andy saw it and knew what it was is because he knew something about pride that I didn't. That pride was not what I was taught to believe it was. It's not what the vast majority of us were taught to believe it was. And that's why 
it lasted so long in my life. I didn't know what it was or how it affected me. I did know it was causing problems. Here's what Andy helped me realize it is. It's, it's not always arrogance. I thought it was like humble bragging, sports car, mentioning your paycheck, arrogance. No, it's, it's way more sinister than that. Pride knows, like pride in fact knows how to be disguised. That's why it's so dangerous. It typically hides under this veil of a lack of self-awareness. In fact, what we're gonna see today is sometimes the best evidence that we have pride in our lives is that we don't know it exists. Because we all have it. We all have a pride problem. Because we are human beings and this thing called sin has been passed down through every generation into every single one of us. And if I just lost you there for a second, you're like, whoa, like, uh, I don't know if I believe that. Like, I'm new to church. That's totally fine. Like, you don't have to believe that, but you'll probably agree that this is just true. This is a true dynamic in life that we all have a pride problem to some extent. In fact, what we're gonna see today is if you don't think you have a pride problem, it's pretty solid evidence that you do. And if you know you have a pride problem, well, then uh, you do, right? So that's 100% of us, if my math is correct, and we're all stuck with it. But today I wanna talk about it, not me or my wisdom, but the wisdom of Solomon, who, by the way, he was a king of ancient Israel, considered widely to be the wisest man of his generation by a long shot. And he, write, he wrote in the book of Proverbs, the things he wrote were so helpful that it's lasted thousands of years, stood the test of time, and it still lives on in the book we call the Bible. And he says something about pride that we need to hear. To start off, I'm just gonna show us the first half of the verse we're gonna be looking at today. And in this first half of the verse, he talks about why pride is a problem in the first place. He says, where there is strife, there is pride. Where there is strife, there is Pride, strife, by the way, it's defined as angry or bitter disagreement. I looked it up on Google, right? And it's, um, strife is like conflict, but it's, it's negative conflict. Conflict can be productive if you do it right. At least that's what I tell my wife when I've been arguing for too long. But conflict can be productive. This is not productive conflict. This is sideways energy. This is unnecessary friction. This is what none of us want in our life. And Solomon's saying, pride produces strife in your life. Pride produces strife in your life. Like what comes up must come down. Where there is strife, there is pride. It's like a fundamental law. It's just true. Like strife might be the cough, but pride, it's the virus. Pride produces strife in our life. And here's how this plays out in our life. Our pride problem leads to people problems. In fact, I think Solomon would say almost all People problems are pride problems. I mean, try to think of an issue you're dealing with with your child, an argument you're having with your spouse, boyfriend, or girlfriend, a, a frustration in a friendship, a tension at work, an annoyance at your boss, the list goes on, and take pride out. And I, I don't know that the problem is still there. In fact, walking around with our pride problem, it's a little bit like walking out into the world or walking out into a crowd of people with, say, a virus. I think that's a clear illustration for all of us. Let me tell you what I mean. <laughs> a couple of years ago, uh, my family and I went on my parents' 25th anniversary trip to Hawaii. And my wife's, the thing she was most excited about was to see a green sea turtle. It's her favorite animal on the planet. And uh, by the way, this is important. It is recommended that you stay at least 10 feet away from a green sea turtle. Moving on. 
My wife is at least 20 feet away from a green sea turtle. I mean, it's coming up. <laughs> She's like taking a video. And out of nowhere, a local just starts running out of I, I don't know where this person came from. I swear they popped out of a sand dune and started running at her. I mean, they're running at like Top Gun Maverick, like Mach 10 speed, yelling, stop away from the turtle. And like cursing at my wife, being extremely rude, yelling profanity. And I feel myself starting to convulse. I start turning green like the Hulk. I start running. I put myself between this person and my wife. I'm like, you're not gonna talk to my wife like that. We start getting into it. And I start making this point that, hey, I get that you're passionate about this, but you can still treat people well. Like a mature person could do that. And I swear, this is exactly what they yelled in my face. I'm not a mature person. (laughs) Like I've never felt so clearly like I won an argument before. But the reason I bring that up, I just think it's such a clear illustration that that person should not have been walking around in this world spreading their pride problem everywhere. And we all do that to some extent. It looks different for all of us. I mean, for most of us, it's not like yelling at strangers about sea turtles, but I mean, this is the uncomfortable thing. The people around you can probably tell you pretty accurately what your pride problem tends to look like because the reason they know is they've been affected by it. This happens with all of us. The people closest to you could tell you a little bit about what your patented signature trademark version of pride looks like because they've been affected by it. And any pride problem, I would say, you can trace all the way back to pride. That's what Solomon's telling us. And our pride problem, it's also bigger than just people problems. Our pride problem leads to personal problems. We shoot ourselves in the foot more than we can possibly imagine. This is what so much of my story earlier was about, the the frustration, the confusion, the insecurity. It's like, if you or someone you know is dealing with frustration, insecurity, or confusion, they might be suffering from undiagnosed pride disorder, right? But that's what it tends to show up as, like that insecurity. Think of any insecurity we deal with as humans. Take pride out of the equation. I don't know that the insecurity is still there. I mean, tell me if you relate at all. I continue to find myself in this, this position to this day, like, why am I a grown man trying to be a good husband, trying to be an effective pastor, still struggling with this dang pride problem? What even is it? How can I control it? I wanna show us the second half of this verse from Proverbs. And this second half of the verse, this is big. It's so big, I think it can change your life because we have more ability to thrive than we can possibly Imagine that so much of our tension and frustration is preventable because pride blocks progress. Pride blocks our own personal progress. It's like a buff bouncer at the door just guarding our way forward. But Solomon's about to hand us a key that unlocks a whole world full of potential progress. Here's why it's so helpful because Proverbs is written as a book of wisdom. And wisdom, the original text, the Hebrew word for wisdom, chokmah, it just means skill in an area. In this context, it means skill in life. It's life skills. It's to do life well. It's to get life right. And I mean, anybody here want to get life wrong? None of us do. And that's what I hope this can do for you. Help you get life right. Help you get parenting right. Help you get marriage right. Help you get relationships right. Help you get friendships right help you get business or work right, help you get the things that aren't going great for you right. And I mean that when I say it, I think Solomon would tell you that pride leaks into every aspect of our life. 
And he gives us the most helpful, clearest definition of pride that I've ever seen. And in it, he passes on this secret that will stop pride right in its tracks. It's basically a life hack. It's also 100% within our control to get this right. We can all do this. It's a simple act that will force pride to die. That's what I'm so excited to share with you today. Here it is. Where there is strife, there is pride, but wisdom is found in those who take advice. Wisdom is found in those who take advice. So wisdom, that's what we just said. It's, it's life skills. It's to do life well. It's to get life right. It's really this like combination of uh, life experience and critical thinking. It's life analyzed and applied. And where does wisdom come from? It, well, those who take advice get it. Those who take advice, it's uh, this little Hebrew phrase. It's this Hebrew root word, ya'atz, and it just means the well-advised. It's the teachable people. It's the curious people. And this is so important for what this means for our definition for what pride is. And pride literally in the Hebrew means to boil, zadon, to boil. My family's from uh, Louisiana, and I picture this big pot of crawfish boiling or bubbling over the side, just spicy pride getting everywhere, right? I mean, any of you boil a little bit lately? (laughs) My wife can tell you the last few times I boiled. I mean, the person's fighting about the sea turtles was definitely boiling. But that's what pride feels like. That's the mental picture. But Solomon tells us what pride is. And he tells us what it is by contrasting it with those who take advice. And that's what's so fascinating about this verse that he's saying that the opposite of pride is not even humility. It it is humility, but it's a very specific type of humility that leads to real curiosity. Here's what he means. Here's the real part of the verse. Pride produces strife, right? Pride produces strife in your life. This is what we've been saying. The second line, curiosity leads to wisdom. This is interesting in and of itself, but What's so groundbreaking about this verse is the the way he's contrasting these two parallel pathways. One path leads to strife, one path leads to wisdom, and he's making a contrast. And so the the way he's defining pride is by contrasting it with curiosity. That it's not even, remember, arrogance or bragging. It's just the antithesis of curiosity. It's an uncurious, unteachable, unaware pride. It's, I think so highly of myself, that I don't need any help or any advice. I've got this all figured out on my own. And I I realize that is a pretty extreme definition of pride, but it just tends to pop up in little, almost undetectable areas of our life. And it's also subconscious. It just pops up in little areas where we tend to act self-sufficient. I mean, it it really is self-sufficiency or a self-estimation that leads to self-sufficiency. That's our definition for pride. I'm going to give my friend Jamie Dickens credit for this one. (laughs) This is gold, though. This is so, so good. It's a self-estimation that leads to self-sufficiency. I think so highly of myself that I don't even need help. And remember, this is subconscious. It's, It's a thought pattern that we don't necessarily even realize that we have. It's it's really a self-sufficiency that leads to, hey, I don't need any help. I could do it better than them. I don't need anyone to tell me what to do. I've always done it on my own before. And I mean, that's worked out for me in the past. So like, I'm fine. Or even they don't see in me what I see in myself. That's pride. That's pride. But we have to, that subconscious thing, we have to make it conscious. 
We have to make it conscious. We have to become aware of it because remember, it leads to strife. Strife with others, strife with ourselves. I mean, unilateral decisions that negatively affect other people. It's a great example of what this kind of pride can look like because we have all been negatively affected by someone else's unilateral decision, selfish decision-making, self-centered decision-making. I can do it myself thinking that produces strife with others. Also, just little abrasive habits that we all have that could be easily cured if we just got some advice, if we just said, what's it like to be on the other side of me? Those little habits that we all have. And Solomon, he makes it so clear, these two parallel pathways, one leading to strife, one leading to wisdom. And we know this is true because, I mean, we've all worked for or seen a leader who missed factors and missed people because they cared way more about the bottom line than the people they're supposed to be caring for. We, we all have also worked for a leader or seen a leader who, gosh, they just care about other people more than themselves. We all have an older relative or know an older person who, man, they, they should be so wise at their age, but do they realize how abrasive they are? Do they realize how they come across? Do they realize that I don't even wanna ask them for advice because it's so hard to deal with them? And it's sad because they should be so wise at their age. But we also all have an older relative or know an older person who, gosh, we just wanna ask them questions. We wanna spend time with them. We want to get to learn from their wisdom because they're so wise. We all have a friend who, gosh, we love them, but do they realize how hard they are to be around sometimes? Do they, do they realize how abrasive they can be? Do they realize that kind of a couple of these habits they have could be easily fixed if they were a little more just teachable? It becomes so clear that these two parallel pathways, one leading to strife, one leading to wisdom, becomes so clear what this looks like. And we all have a pride problem. And our pride problem is producing strife in our life for all of us. But how do we become aware of what our own personal trademarked signature brand of pride looks like? Like, if we don't know what we don't know, how do we know? Well, I mean, the, the student who walked into thermodynamics with an inside out shirt on <laughs> didn't know until someone pointed out to them. And that's exactly what happened to me. I did not figure this out on my own. In fact, it was forcibly pointed out to me uncomfortably by a wise person. And that's the thing. The path to wisdom is filled with wise people. Because see, wise people, they're like mirrors. They give us a much clearer picture of ourselves and we need to be humble, curious enough to realize we don't have the full picture, that we need a wise person to give us a clearer picture of ourselves, sometimes uncomfortably clear, right? It's like when you wake up in the morning and you look in the mirror, you're like, whoa, like I look terrible. Like I need a shower. I need some facial cleanser. My wife woke up the other morning, looked in the mirror and said, I look like a toe. I'm like, I don't even know what that means. But we need to all realize we don't have the full picture because we're, we're only as wise as our experiences have allowed us to be. We are only as wise as our experiences have allowed us to be. So we need to be curious enough to realize that other people have some experiences we need to borrow. We need to be borrowing the wise experiences of other people because we're only as wise as our experiences have allowed us to be. That sometimes the biggest blind spot is thinking that we don't have a blind spot. 
Our, self, our, our, our pride thrives in a vacuum. Our pride thrives in an echo chamber. Our self-sufficiency compounds our pride problem. So we need some advice. <laughs> we need some wise people speaking into us. And on this side of eternity, we will never fully overcome our pride problem. But we sure can become aware of it. We sure can get help. We need to cultivate curiosity and pursue wise people. This is what Solomon's getting at. We need to cultivate curiosity and pursue wise people, both the act of being curious enough to ask for advice and the actual advice we'll get are both antidotes to our pride problem. It's a two-for-one special. It's a BOGO. 100%. This is what I mentioned earlier. This is 100% within our control to get this right. Like we can all cultivate curiosity and pursue wise people. So step one is be curious. We need, it, curiosity really is something to be cultivated because as adults, I mean, we've learned how to be self-sufficient. We're good at being self-sufficient. We had to be. But we need to learn how to be curious. We need to learn how to have curiosity because our self-sufficiency can cause some bad habits. And curiosity, I mean, it cancels out pride. It's like you fight jealousy by celebrating, right? You don't tell someone who's jealous, hey, just be grateful. You, you tell them, hey, try celebrating what you have. That's helpful in the same way. You don't fight pride by saying, hey, just you know, be humble. No, you, you fight pride by saying, hey, try some Curiosity. So step one is be curious. Be curious. We feel frustrated at that group of people. What if we were curious? We feel annoyed at the way they see us. What if we were curious? We feel insecure at our reputation. What if we were curious about that? We can't stand them. We can't stand that one person. What if we were curious? We always fight with them. What if we were curious? We can't stand people on the other political end of the aisle. They're so dumb. How could they think like that? What if we were curious about that? We also need to be curious enough to pursue wise people in the first place. So step two is we need to pick a person. We need to pursue wise people because we're only as wise as our experiences have allowed us to be. And we can all pick one person. So who's your person? Pick a person. Maybe for you, there was an old youth or college leader who, gosh, they were so helpful. They taught you so much. Maybe you need to get back in touch with them. Maybe for you, there's just someone in your past who they were just a really, really helpful sounding board. Maybe you need to give them a call. Maybe there's a new person in your life who, gosh, they're just so wise and you need to ask them to coffee. Maybe you're like me. About a year ago, I realized I needed to get back in touch with my counselor. Like I need to go back to counseling because my counselor is super wise and I could really use his input in my life right now. Maybe that's you. If you don't know where you fit into that or there's no one popping into your head, we all need to pick a person. And so if you haven't thought of someone, we would love to help. We would love to connect you to a wise person. In fact, Jamie's gonna get up after me and he's gonna tell us how East Cobb Church would love to connect you to a wise person who can speak into your life. We wanna help with that because both the curiosity to pursue wise people in the first place, the advice we'll get from that curious, per, or from being uh, curious enough to pursue wise people and the actual advice we get are both solutions to our pride problem. This is how we force pride to die. Be curious, pick a person and force pride to die. This subtle shift, 
this subtle, subtle shift in how we live our lives can save us a whole world of strife. Which, by the way, tell me if you agree or not, but strife, I mean, I feel like that's just a defining word in our culture right now. I mean, I feel like strife is a defining word in our culture. And I think Solomon would say that's a pride problem. I think when Solomon says there is strife, there is pride, right? Where there is strife, there is pride. He would say, well, there's a lot of strife in this world. Maybe the diagnosis for that dilemma is pride. Like what would tomorrow look like? What would tomorrow look like if everyone in this culture, everyone in this world went out and asked someone wise for advice? What would tomorrow look like if we all asked for advice today? How much tension, frustration, fighting, heck, Facebook and Twitter warfare would be avoided if we all got advice from a wise person? Because God loves us. God wants us to get life right. He doesn't want strife in our life. He wants us to find these life skills. This is why he gave us Proverbs in the first place. He wants us to get life right. The last thing he wants is for pride to limit the person you and I can be. We talk about loving where we live here at East Cobb Church. What if one of the best ways we can love where we live is to work on our own personal pride problem? Like getting a diagnosis and a treatment plan for our own personal pride. What if that's loving where we live well? Our mission is to love others well in the place where we call home. What if one of the best ways to do that is to prevent our undiagnosed pride from spreading all over the place, from affecting other people with it, not letting the pride problem persist in our culture. That's loving where we live. My mentor, gosh, he, he helped me identify what my own personal pride looked like. Then he helped me take steps. And the result was massive growth in my character, improvements in my marriage, my effectiveness at work. It triggered the single biggest stage of growth I have ever experienced as a person. I'm not kidding. It changed everything for me. Maybe more than anything, it taught me that I always need wise people speaking into my life because I'm still struggling with all the same things I've always struggled with. I always need wise people speaking into my life. So let's force pride to die. Let's all be curious and pick a person. I would love to pray for us. God, thank you for this truth. Thank you for this ancient wisdom that it's so amazing to see it be just as helpful today as when it was written. Thank you for that. I also pray for myself and the people of this room that, I mean, when we talk about heart change, you're the only one who can do that. So change our hearts. We don't want our pride problem to cause strife for us. We don't want our pride problem to cause strife for others. So change our heart. Help us become curious. And then also, lastly, Place the people in our life that we need to be in our life. I mean, you change people's lives with a person. You love to use people to change people. So put the people in our life that we need to speak life and truth into us. In Jesus' name, amen.